Welcome to Caritas Christi, a real and raw podcast with real women and real faith, where we apply the feminine genius to look at the current events of this world, our faith lives, and other things that are relevant to young Catholic women today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thursday. Hi, this is Mary. And this is Hannah. And you're with Caritas Christi. Happy Thursday! Yay! You made it! (laughs) You're almost there. Another week. Yes. All right. To start, we will pray. In nomine Patri, e Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Amen. Ave Maria, caratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. In nomine Patri, in Filio, Spiritui Santo. Amen. Amen. And our inspiration today is from C.S. Lewis's Mary Christianity. And it goes, You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but God is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. So, what are, what are, we, uh, what are we consuming today, Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I took Theo for a little bit of a walk, and it's very hot out, so I'm currently sipping an Arnold Palmer because mm. it's summertime mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Just clinging to the last bits of it. No, don't. <laughs> Summer can go until, like, September when yeah. it stops being hot. But school starts. Yeah. That's yeah, soon. Teacher. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, summers, because I, I don't have to school it's not a thing for me <laughs> it's like I summer ends when I say it ends it's a very um anyways <laughs> such a millennial or something like that so uh, anyways what am I eating today what are you eating uh well I was eating a uh a sausage stick <laughs> in front of my dog How yeah rude. <laughs> actually yeah one of my one of my um one of my high schoolers that works for me she put me onto it a couple weeks ago and i was like dang these are the best things i've ever like encountered because <laughs> and i was i was looking for their like the one of them's like a sweet flavor more mm-hmm. like sweet and salty which i was like i just crave that so i was like oh this is something i um but i accidentally picked up their like swiss and something Whatnot, but it was still pretty good. So, um, yeah, and one of those are, is pretty filling. So, yeah, protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it does. It kind of tastes like summer too. So, yeah, I know yes. summer has such a taste to it. it does because I know it's like humid and hot up here. So, looking to kayak later kind of tastes like that right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A good bonfire. Yes, mm-hmm. some s'mores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some good uh, burgers. Yeah. My dad, he makes these, like, gourmet burgers. So, just making all of you... Well, sorry for any vegans and vegetarians, but sorry. (laughs) sorry. (laughs) You you have the impossible burger. It's fine. Yeah, that's totally... Yeah, the same. (laughs) Impossibly not impossible or something like that. Oh, well. Anyways. Before we, uh... Anyways. (sighs) Well, thank you for joining us, and we are excited to uh, just kind of dive in again. Um, So, last week was a little little heavy and this one will be a little bit more lighter and it'll be good so so thank you very much we're gonna get into it all right so here are the current events for this week this first story is actually something that's been developing since actually last week but the An investigation from a Catholic journal source, The Pillar, turned up data from the general secretary of the USCCB bishops. Um, So that's the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And he actually resigned after this report came out, which, which was basically they purchased data from a third party and found that he had been using a app called Grinder, which if you don't know what that is, God bless you. I am jealous of you. <laughs> it's an app where that is primarily used by men who are who have homosexual tendencies to initiate like casual hookups. Um, it's not even to like s- seek a relationship. It's just for 
hookups and um, obviously that would be a breach of his vows of celibacy uh, not to mention that he was using church and diocese and all kinds of property with the with these apps so some of the data says that he was on this app at his at his like personal lake home um and yeah so it's it's really incriminating and then they also did a larger group of data purchases where they found more meetups and priests using hookup apps and stuff like that and found found that location data showed that they had been frequenting some gay bars there were some private residences that were also were also visited so it was clear that he was not just messaging over the app which would be bad enough but he was also traveling to private residences which you can draw your own conclusions there i won't get so into that uh numerous he used it in numerous cities from 2018 to 2020 and did it while traveling on assignment for the u.s bishops conference nice so he had oversight of the conference's pastoral departments. Uh, he also met with Pope Francis in 2018. So this guy was really pretty high up. And he even discussed himself how they were going to respond to ecclesiastical st- scandals related to sexual misconduct, duplicity, and clerical cover-ups. Oh, the irony. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's basically it. We're going we're gonna to have a link to that in the show notes. But something that's really curious about this whole story is that there have been way too many people coming out on Twitter, Instagram, and the like, uh, mostly social media, um, and also a lot in the general press who have been saying that this was a breach of privacy, that the pillar should not have purchased this data, um, and that apparently sex pest priests just need to be left to their own devices, which I thought that after the McCarrick fiasco a few years ago and all the other scandals that have been surfacing in years past, that we wanted greater transparency, that we wanted to hold people accountable, that we wanted, if there was somebody who was involved in this kind of behavior that we wanted to root them out and know. But now people seem to be turning back on that, like, oh, you know, these priests are like, they're fervent, they're this. No, absolutely not. It's not a breach of privacy. If you, like, (laughs) if you didn't use the app and if you didn't do sketchy things, travel to sketchy locations using the app and have this this data trail behind you, then there would be nothing to be afraid of. But the fact is that there are, unfortunately, priests and other higher-ups that do this, and we should be able to use, use data, use investigative reporting to root them out. Because wasn't that the problem? Was, wasn't that the problem that people were covering up, up in the church hierarchy? Wasn't that the issue? I, I don't think that you can defend these priests because they knew what they were doing. They were fully aware of it, and they were fully aware that the vow, of the vows that they made to the church and to protect her and her people. So we need to find, find these people, and if that involves purchasing their data, and if it, there's something sus in there, then yeah, then we should go through it. And I also want to mentioned that uh, a, cer- a certain priest who you probably would, would recognize was all over his Twitter saying how, oh, well, if we're going to sp- spy on priests, well, why don't we just do it on on church employees and this and that? And I, I would like to say, as I responded in kind, that my contract as a teacher at a private Catholic school is contingent on me following the tenets of the faith in my 
public and private life. And if I were to be discovered to be in violation of one, one of these teachings, then I would rightfully be terminated. So yeah, go ahead. Spy on me if that's what you want to call it, because I don't have anything to hide. What do you have to hide, sketchy blue check priest? Exactly. So, shush. <laughs> Whoa there. <laughs> Just got a little spicy. Very spicy. Spicy like my, my sausage stick. <laughs> well, because uh, that's, that's what makes me angry, is that I've, I've gotten that before, where people were like, well, well you, you're not holding yourself to that standard. And be like, well... Actually, I am. So, yes, I want other people to be held to this standard. I have, I don't ask that anybody else not follow the standards that I don't follow. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. Do I mess up? Sure. But then I admit when I mess up. And I'm not defending sex pest priests. You, we won't catch me doing that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, it's kind of, I don't know, I think a lot of this first started coming out when a lot of us were younger. So you kind of feel like when, when a lot of this, like the newer stuff hit, you're kind of like, I feel like a lot of people are like, again, and for us, it's kind of like, just trying to like grasp with, with the reality of it. Um, I mean, it, it actually came close to home for us, actually, mm-hmm. where we're at. Um, and it actually hit a lot of, um, yeah, it was pretty significant. I don't want to go into further detail, just um, out of, um, sensitivity, but, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, I think there's like a lot of different things cause it's one, you get angry because especially this has a lot of minors that are included. And mm-hmm. as we talked a lot about last week, like they're so precious and they're so innocent. Um, you know, a lot of this is affecting seminarians and people that are in, um, you know, it's crazy that these priests think that they have power cause we're really not about power. But apparently, that's just how we've... I mean, I, I will say, being a cradle Catholic, you do look at priests as being on a pedestal. Um, and it's not till I befriended some priests that are around our age that I realized, oh, <laughs> they're human. <laughs> they are our spiritual fathers, and we need to respect them and hold them, you know, to... Um, you know, they're obviously different than us ontologically and whatnot, but um, they're, you know, they're sinners, too. So... Um, I don't know. I think it's. I had asked Hannah, and I guess I'll ask you on, on live. So, if you're a young adult woman in your 20s, what is? I mean, otherwise, other other than just being disgusted and you know praying for um, the salvation of all the souls involved, um, what does this have to do with us except for just another crazy report that you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> well, it has to do with you because it doesn't matter if you're what what kind of vocation you currently have or what kind of vocation you're working towards, whether that's religious life, married life, um, single life, all of the above. It affects you because you are part of the church. And if you're planning, and if if you're married or you're planning to be married, your children are being raised in this church. So out of a sense of protection towards them and out of a sense of protection towards the rest of your family, whether you have a spouse or children or not, you should be interested in this stuff and know what is what is going on and know that you are within your rights to demand that ever that that your priests follow their vows because hey it's not hard to not download grinder i'm really sorry i I really don't think it's that hard just don't do it uh (laughs) like my guy just go to therapy please uh and and you are, you are part of the church. So naturally, this always concerns you. And even though it's the trends do trend away from women being affected by these types of things, that doesn't mean that they're never affected. So maybe your sisters in Christ are going to be affected by this. They, they might not now. Or, or they might have been in the past and you just don't know. The fact is that you still have to you have to stand for truth and you have to make sure that you, you're not leaning too much into clericalism because as, as we discussed on the last podcast, the lay people are really what the church is. 
there's not that many priests or religious or you know and I'm not saying they're not important we get the Eucharist through them they're the people who institute the sacraments they are indispensable but at the same time the lay people are really who the ones who need to be rising up and keeping our officials and priests and deacons in check when they need to be kept in check and always praying for them and making sure that they are supported, supporting the good and faithful priests um, just as much as you root out and take arms against the bad ones. Because I think that's something that's not talked about enough is that we're, we're, we're a lot of, a lot of times focused on the bad priests and the bad within the church. And there's, there's so much to go around, but there are also so many good priests and people, um, that are within the church. There's seminarians in formation and just supporting them, the supporting those ones who are really faithful and really committed to the church is going to be how we get through this. Because if we only focus on rooting out the bad, like that's good, but we also need to lift up the good as well. Because if, Everybody just ignores the good priests in favor of fo- focusing on the bad ones. Then we're really not going to have that many priests anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think it is acknowledging. You know, last time we said, um, you know, there is yeah, there's a lot of bad going on, and I think I've, I've been this quote recently. I heard is there um, the smoke of Satan has entered the church mm-hmm. and entered a while back. And I think this is just a part of that. Is that is that um, is the reality of that? And yeah, that there the Satan, you know, the devil. Um, it's sad that he, you know, attacks the priesthood as he is, and and then also attacking the lay. But um, yeah, acknowledging that, and then um, yeah, I have seen. I have a close friend and. Um, he was affected by some of this, not necessarily him, but he knew he a close friend of his actually um, was kind of anyways, I don't want to get more too too into it, but um, it, it really it really hurts these priests. Mm-hmm. It really hurts because actually one of their classmates was anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's hard to share without getting too into into detail, um, but regardless, um, these good priests. They're affected by all this bad stuff that happened because they, they care so much for the lay. They care so much for the people that they're caring for. Um, and, but also it puts them in really difficult situations, too, mm-hmm. because, you know, um, they can't just be friendly anymore. You know, they have to, like, really be very and like have integrity and be very guarded and, you know, um, really pure intentions in their relationships. And I mean, yes, that's good. But also, you know, um, were that not to be the case, but. Um, yeah, anyway, so that was really garbled, so thanks for following. um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, yeah, so anything else on that before we go on to our next uh, more uh, uplifting (laughs) news item? Uh, Nope, I think that's all. All right, so Olympics are going on 2020. Not actually 2021, (laughs) but I don't know. Who's really, I mean, what's the official? 2020 didn't count. Right? Yeah. Um... So actually, I have to say I haven't watched any of the Olympics because I'm actually just living my life. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> One, I don't have access to the TV, and two, I don't know. I mean, they're great, but I guess you can watch playbacks and whatnot. So, I mean, it's so sad because their their ratings are super down right now. I wonder why. Yeah, no, no audiences, <laughs> no, and then there's just a lot of other stuff. So, but some of like the more, I guess. We can highlight the more positive side of that. There's mm-hmm. been some um, some great things. Um, so I guess today's kind of theme is a lot about um, uh, authentic femininity and the feminine genius. So kind of highlighting some of those things in the news. Um, so and actually they're kind of related to it. So um, so one of them actually they're kind of like kind of correlation correlating, but. Um, the German athletes um, were reported to. Um, uh, the the gymnasts the female gymnasts they were um, their 
wearing what is it called? Unitards? Le- leotards. Leotards. No, they're called. I think they're unitards. Are they? Le- yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a gymnast. Are, <laughs> but they're wearing full body suits because mm-hmm. um, apparently that is an option. But they want to be able to. They want to like. They're trying to fight against the sexualization of women in the Olympics. Um, and for the longest time, it's been um, these these full body suits have only been worn for um, just religious reasons, but they want to empower other women to realize that they have the option. Because um, apparently some of them tend to be more comfortable and uh, more comfortable for lots of different reasons. So, um, But then another um, kind of key thing uh, was um, the Norwegian women's beach handball team. Um, they were refusing to wear bikini bottoms um, during their bronze medal match at the European Beach Handball Championship. Um, they were wearing, um, what are they called, biker shorts instead. Um, but apparently it's a rule, uh, but they were actually being fined um, for it, which is crazy because um, that's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> but um, apparently Pink came forward and was actually offering to pay the fine. So I don't know. I think whatever you will with the feminist movement and whatnot, I think it's cool just to see um, that there obviously has been sexualization of women in the Olympics um, with their clothing. Um, and then there's obviously like inequality with what they're allowed to wear, because um, I don't think men are forced to wear bikinis or, or le- you know, leotards or whatnot. I, I, I just <laughs> Hannah's face right now. <laughs> I don't no want wants, them to wear yeah, it. <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants to see it. That's yeah. why they're not wearing. But it. I always feel like you gotta count the you gotta count the wins, mm-hmm. you know, for women. And so I think it's cool that women are being brave and trying to be courageous. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Um, yeah. um, and there's some other exciting news that's coming from the Olympics as well. Yes. So Hannah, which is not clothing that. related. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that is that is exciting. That's kind of a win for women. But this is even this is a win for Catholicism. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So on July 26th, a couple of days ago, um, Olympian. Hidalyn Diaz, she won the first ever gold medal for the Philippines, so they had actually never won a gold medal, period. And she won it in the women's 55 kilogram weightlifting category for the Olympics, and they've competed, uh, the Philippines has, for the last 97 years in the Olympics, but have never won a gold medal. And she also broke a world record. But here's the cool part. After she won, she praised God and she lifted up the miraculous medal she wore around her neck, like hooked it with her thumb and just held it out to show everybody. And then during the awards ceremony, when the national anthem was was played, she made the sign of the cross and was very clearly thanking God for all that she had accomplished during the Olympics. So that's pretty cool. Awesome to see some Catholic wins happening. Um, and yeah, just seeing miraculous medals out in the wild. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's cool too because, I mean, even though there's a lot of persecution of Christianity and a lot of people are trying to deny that God is real, I think still in the midst of it, people, God is still shining no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool that Our Lady is shining her miraculous medal. Um, especially in the midst of everything that's going on in the church. So, with especially with a lot of the um, things that, messages that have been associated with her. Mm-hmm. It's cool that she's still present with us, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us on the current events. And, um, yeah, there's just, you know, bad things with, with what's going on with the priests and whatnot. Um, so pray for our priests and pray for our church for continued healing. Um, but then also kind of, you know, with the Olympics, I mean, they are really fun. I know my parents love watching it and that's great. That's summertime. That's probably, you know, if you're off school and you have time, then, you know, that's sports is a good thing. Sports is a really good thing. I mean, we were involved in sports growing up. Um, but it's also, it's exciting to see wins for women and wins for women, wins for the church. Um, yeah. So. All right. Join us next for hot takes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, for our hot take, 
we're talking about an article entitled I'm an ordinary woman and that's enough and it really is just discussing what true femininity is and also what it is not so just to intro you Mary's going to be taking the lead on this section but to intro you to what this is going to be all about I'm going to read you a short quote from the article is that take? <laughs> yes so that's our that's our hot take that we're putting out from this article a woman is not a costume any man can put on she is not a clown decorated with outlandish hair and makeup and sexually suggestive get-ups she never ever resides inside a male waiting to be let out a woman is female all right i'm super excited for this this is definitely um exciting to talk about um and i will say so one of my friends actually brought it to attention courtesy of her mother actually um and i will say once i read it you start seeing what's going on in our world in the lens of it and you're like oh gosh so just a warning (laughs) but i think it's definitely a necessary conversation um and you'll actually see it kind of relates to um you know talking about the olympics and whatnot so um yeah, so this was uh, written by Jennifer Hartline, um, and it was published at the beginning of July. Um, yeah, so it was the article was titled "I Am an Ordinary Woman," and honestly, I will let it speak for itself. I think Hannah already highlighted kind of the big, big, big thesis. Um, so I will go from there. Um, I am an ordinary woman. No razor has ever touched my face. My breasts are simply flesh and milk glands. I have lived for decades with the blessing and trials of a menstrual cycle. I have a womb, this wondrous, remarkable, expansive thing, except when it is small and unremarkable. Within its secret dominion, I have nurtured six babies. I have a pelvis perfectly designed to cradle a growing preborn child. I have a body capable of doing the miraculous giving you life, and I have been blessed to give birth to four beautiful children. Two of my children are already ahead of me on the road awaiting my arrival. With those ordinary fatty breasts, I fed my babies night and day with a miraculous food only God can manufacture. On the curve of my hips, I carried my little ones for years. Body and mind, heart and soul, I nurtured, carried, fed, and gave life to my children. Because that is what an ordinary woman can do. It is something no man on earth can do in the same way. My very nature is oriented toward life, co-creating new life, nurturing life, sustaining life. It is woven into the design of a woman. It is in our modern lexicon, a superpower. A woman is not a creature constructed by a surgeon. I am not made of silicone, plastic, acrylic, or glitter. I require no gadgets to maintain what the surgeon has artificially constructed. My body was lovingly designed and fashioned by God, not man. A woman is not a costume any man can put on. She is not a clown decorated with outlandish hair and makeup and sexually suggestive get-ups. She never, ever resides inside a male waiting to be let out. A woman is a female. A woman is female. The speed at which the ordinary woman is being trampled on and erased is alarming. Each passing day brings new instances of girls and women being shoved aside by a man claiming womanhood for himself. And with each occurrence, women are further dismissed and robbed. The right of men to plunder the very reality of womanhood and demand its actuality for themselves grows stronger. Consider disgraceful cowards like Ohio Representative Michael Skindell and other Democrats who melted down in a childish temper tantrum as Representative Jenna Powell tried to introduce the Save Women's Sports Act amendment this week. Powell rose to speak to the reality that men are indeed taking away the medals and scholarships women have worked for and earned, and the Democrat boys in the room pounded on their tables to drown out her voice. Read that again. A woman trying to defend women's sports was pounded down by bully boys who feel entitled to silence her and take women's rights for their own. Even Olympic committees have succumbed to this madness, allowing men to displace women athletes. Laurel Hubbard is a 43-year-old man competing in the women's weightlifting events for New Zealand. 21-year-old Quinny Manuma 
sorry for the mistranslation or miss but speaking of this anyways should be competing for her country but hubbard has robbed her of that chance a woman in a los angeles spa recently found out the hard way the law no longer protects women's privacy she and her younger young daughter encountered a naked man in the woman's locker room and upon complaining to the staff was told he had every right to be in the woman's space Another man who overheard her complaint decided to berate her for her intolerance. Men now have the legal right to expose themselves in front of girls and women and invade the spaces where girls, girls and women undress. It is the women who are ashamed for objecting to, the, to this violation. Out West, a man has just been crowned Miss Nevada, USA. Catalina Enriquez beat out 21 women for the crown and now he'll compete in the Miss USA pageant. His campaign for the Miss Nevada crown was remarkable and even local Fox affiliate described it as re redefining what it means to be a woman. After winning the Miss Nevada crown over the weekend, Cataluna stated, today I am a proud transgender woman of color. Personally, I've learned that my differences do not make me less than, it makes me more than. More than what? More than whom? A man of artifice is more women? Is it sinking in yet? Men are redefining what it means to be a woman. Men are winning the women's prizes. The woman of the year is a man. Misogyny is such a praiseworthy pursuit in our age. In modern feminism, that brainwriting poison persuades women by the masses to inexplicably, self-destructively applaud the swindlers and welcome them as sisters. Gentlemen, you must show you value the genuine beauty of an ordinary woman. You must fight to protect your wives, daughters, and sisters from the mockery, the intrusion, the violation of men claiming to be women. I beg you to stand in between the woman you love and this trans madness before it is too late. Woman, do not forfeit your very nature to men, nor sell your daughter's physical reality down the mad river. Ignore the screaming mob and the baseless insults they hurl. There is no middle ground here. Either women are female or, or woman means nothing at all. This is a hill I will die on because my daughter shouldn't have to. I hope I'm not alone. Um, and she's a senior contributor to this dream. So, wow. <laughs> I got some chills at the end there. Um, goodness gracious. It just totally, I think when the transgender agenda came on this, the scene, you're kind of like, okay, that's weird. Men want to cross dress. But as I've come to realize, it's very insulting as a woman to think that all that you have to do is just have long hair and wear a lot of makeup. And honestly, it's stuff your bra. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's not done in a tasteful way either. It, it never, it, I mean, well, some of them, yeah, anyways, regardless, it's, it's, I mean, yes, as a girl, I love to like wear a nice dress and get my hair done and makeup. But also, I don't mind like going out in the garden and getting my hands dirty in the soil, mm -hmm. weeding. So it's not that all there is to women. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're denying the biological reality of a woman, and just it's funny because these types of people will say, "Oh, well, I gender is just a social construct." But then they make themselves fit into the social construct because they think they're a woman when they're a man or a man when they're a woman. And it's like, wait, if you if gender is a social construct, if you don't fit into the construct, then shouldn't like doesn't that not matter? Like, it's like, well, I feel this. I don't care, man. That's just weird. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, sometimes I feel like, I don't know, kicking the door, but I don't. <laughs> it's, I'm so dependent on feelings because feelings have just become the new religion and whatever you feel just must be true. And so then everybody feels different things and everybody experiences different things and you become subject to feeling more moral relativism which is awful <laughs> and it's just it's not going to end well i i think all of us are in agreement on that i mean i'm kind of enjoying watching the dumpster fire a little bit but because you know it's fun i was watching uh 
in reference to this, there's, so I think it's very interesting considering that you can, so like, like gender, race is something that's inherently biological and you can't change it, right? Um, and there are people who have, are like mixed race, they have more than one, whatever. And so you can't change your race just like you can't change your gender. But since race is so important to SJWs, you can't possibly change your race because then that would, you know, that would just undermine their whole their whole thing about race but you can change your gender and then there was this i think it was a british influencer yeah. you hear about this guy he he's like oh i'm transracial i'm korean now and he got like eye, eye surgery to make his eyes squinty and i'm like what um but it was really funny because i mean he definitely needs prayers but to me it was also kind of funny to be like oh yay you're you know you're you're getting breasts inserted into you and taking hormones that aren't natural and doing doing all this stuff and that's great yes queen oh you're transracial you awful disgusting human being how dare you you're racist and all this and xenophobic and this and that how dare you think you can change your wait Wait, if you can just feel you are something and then make yourself look like you are that thing, whatever it is, or whatever you think that thing is, like, you you think that being a woman just means wearing dresses and having boobs and wearing makeup, like, okay, not nurturing life, which you can never do with any of your garbage hormones and surgeries, thank you. But now, you know, so it's like, oh, wait, maybe we don't like when people boil down like things that just exist in and of themselves to certain outward characteristics and like race is something that's a little bit different because obviously it's genetic but at some at the same time it doesn't really have a lot of effect on some things like that sometimes you're more predisposed to certain conditions other stuff like that but it doesn't really define your existence as much as gen gender would but just just like gender it's coded into your dna you can't take it out i don't know who told you you could take it out they were lying <laughs> and now of course they're gonna come they're coming for the kids and that's what the article is definitely that most powerful message is like die in this hell so your daughters don't have to even if you're not um going if, even if married life, like, you don't think that's going to be your vocation, or if you are discerning a path that's to the religious life, it still is something that's very relevant to you because it's, the culture wants to basically take away people's right to their children, and this is going to be one of the reasons that they're going to cite, is that, well... They feel like they're a boy and you won't let them be a boy even though they're you're a girl they're a girl so now we're going to take your kid away because you're being a, an abusive parent and they already do that in canada so you think it can't happen here you better watch out <laughs> like you, you better start standing up now because it's not it's not getting any better and the only way it gets better is if we start standing against and saying no this is ridiculous mm -hmm. this this is a lie mm -hmm. from the mouth of satan himself mm -hmm. yeah um sorry i just processing everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a lot i'm sorry yeah no i asked what you thought about it um yeah, I mean, even we're talking about earlier, I mean, this is allowing for, um, you know, encouraging men who are predators. Like, this is giving them an in. Mm -hmm. So, one, like, protecting your daughters in this way, like, fighting against, um, you know, what, it, the, you know, men trying to get into the bathrooms. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, like, how much this is, like, a... Mm, like a sickness in a way, like homosexuality is. Oh, like 
kind of like associated with some mental disorders. I mean, yeah. Like, so I, I would like to say I'm sorry for the men who struggle with this. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's obviously a big struggle. Obviously, they're hurting and they're wounded because they are. <laughs> They're they're totally confused. So this yes, is not what helps. So what, like, no, this does, this is totally yeah. This is, this is opposite. And actually, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are coming out saying that they're detransitioning. They're detransitioning, and, and they said it just it didn't make them happy, and it wasn't. I mean, and now they regret. A lot of them have had surgeries and whatnot, and they, they regret it. And mm -hmm. it's just so much time that is lost. Um, but then I think the thing I want to come back to is it's just um, and, and we're not like. We're not, we're not, we, we love the men in our lives. Like, they're, they're, I mean, complementary is reality. Like, we need the men in our lives. I know I need the men in my lives to keep me objective and um, to help to rein in my emotions and um, just, just to be strong and protect us. Um, but as women, like, um, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege to be able to have, like, the ability to bear life and to, you know, to be able to feed children and, it's such a gift, and just for it to be taken away, and it just makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me mad, and it makes me want to fight. And, and I think it's, even for our young girls, it's, um, yeah, I guess it's the way you carry, but it's more than just the way you carry yourself. It's just who you are. There's nothing you can do that can take away from it. Um, and it's just that the beauty of what it means to be a woman is just being attacked and taken down. Um, both from so many sides, from from the second wave, the, more of the third wave, I guess, feminism, to now this tra transgender. I mean, the second wave kind of paved the way for the third, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know the breakdown of the different waves of feminism. Um, but anyways, yeah. So, um, any other thoughts before we go on to the, to the um, this is kind of your hot take. Um, and I guess maybe just to kind of reiterate the hot take. Because we have to reiterate again. Actually, I'll have Hannah do it because she, she definitely said it very well. So, all right. So, in case you weren't listening, here it is a second time. I'm going to put my, my teacher voice. <laughs> <laughs> a woman is not a costume any man can put on. She is not a clown decorated with outlandish hair and makeup and sexually suggestive get-ups. She never, ever resides inside a male waiting to be let out. A woman is female. Amen, sister. <laughs> oh, it is so beautiful. I will say it's funny, you know, um, being on a podcast because I don't know people say I have a way with words, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not the most articulate person. I just share my heart, but you definitely have a way with words. So <laughs> thanks. I'm grateful for that gift. I try. So, <laughs> so kind of, kind of on the same line. Um, kind of coming from like more to a more, um, you know, we're about real women, real faith. And so from a faith perspective, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be female? Um, and I know, Hannah, we had talked about the, like, the whole identity as being a daughter of God. And, you know, I, I guess you had said, oh, that's, you know, so overplayed in a way, I guess you had said before. But I feel for myself, I'm just kind of discovering that. And it's really been a big part of my faith journey. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, no, no matter where you are, I guess it's good to be reminded of that identity, because mm -hmm. um, that is the whole reality of what it means to be a woman and female. That's the, the start of it, is yeah. that we are made in the image and likeness of God, and we are made by Him, and He is our Father. Um, and so, you know, as we, we go forward in this, you know, to all the girls out there, you know, no matter where you come from, I understand that we all, you know, are our fathers, no matter how good they are. Um, you know, we all are sinners, so we all have different things that have affected our identity. Um, so this is just out for you, for wherever you're at. Um, so uh, this is uh, this this ex I'm going to read two expert excerpts. <laughs> there you go. Let's see um, articulation. Um, anyways, um, this is from Mystery, and it's um, written by Lacey Sturm, and it's all about um, finding um, was it. It's just finding your identity. Well, no, but really. it's broken lovers finding love, finding love in a world of broken lovers. Yes. Um, actually, Hannah had given it to me, which is funny because she gave it to me, and then I was like, oh, this is so good, and I had given it to a friend of viral, and Hannah was right there, and I'm like, oh, Hannah. <laughs> I had completely forgotten who it was her book. I was like, Hannah, is it okay 
if she has your book. Is, is it okay if somebody double borrows your book right here? I mean, I already gave it to her, but <laughs> it's fine. I'll just read it again when it gets back. Eventually, just, just a quick read, right? Yeah. Or you might just buy it again, or I'll buy it for you since I borrowed it all for you, and then I'll take that one. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyways, yeah. So she had given it to me, and it's just—it's so beautiful, and I think it just—it shows that I, whatever identity as a woman of God, as a daughter of God. Um, so uh, I'll just read this first one. It's just talking about, um, I don't know, it, I just, I love um, Lacey's ability. She's just very raw and very authentic. Can you tell a little about little Lacey? Okay. Uh, so Lacey Sturm, in case you're not familiar with the name, I actually really got into her music because she used to be the lead singer of Fireflights, and she's very talented, has an amazing voice, but she's also written actually three books about her and her life story, so I ha I own two of the three, I should get the third one, because she's a an amazing writer, but now she has actually struck out on her own, she's writing her own music, and she's like a hard rock metal type artist, which is my taste, um, and she, if you're into that, she has amazing, amazing music. I personally, probably my favorite song by her is The the Soldier, which, man, that's just a good song to like put the windows down to and just scream it. Um, but she also is very articulate about her faith and just breaks everything down so beautifully, and that was something that was really impressed by reading her books. She actually isn't Catholic, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, you are so close. So hopefully she gets there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, when I started reading it, it, it really, I think, and I think that's partially actually what really inspired the podcast too, is she was so raw and sharing a lot of her, her struggles and, and just she definitely had a broken past and it's just cool to see how God has worked through her and that inspired me to share my witness and obviously I don't have the same story as Lacey um, but I think it just inspired me um, and I was going somewhere with that um, <laughs> as my brain normally does at this point of the day it's 5 o'clock, my brain has stopped <laughs> and alright bye <laughs> Okay, well, as my always says, it may not be that important. If it comes back to me, I'll try and reiterate it. Um, but, um, yeah, oh, I guess I was going to say, Lucy Sturm, if you're listening, this is just, wow, thank you for writing this, and thank you for your witness. Um, yeah. So without further ado, I'll just re read this first part, and then we'll go from there. Um, so it's just talking about the reality of the kingdom. I was born a temple, a living, breathing temple, my creator dreamed of me, not my mother who did not plan me, not my father who was not expecting a second child. In my mother's womb, with sacred materials, the king of heaven and earth knit together a temple. He protected me so that I would grow. By the time I was 16, I found myself restless and empty, feeling defiled with no way to be fixed. I was ready to die for lack of purpose. I wanted to die because I couldn't see that anyone would want me to live. I didn't know that there was a God who had created me with a purpose in mind. I didn't know I was a temple. I didn't know that after I sold myself to death, I had been bought back by the King of Heaven who is life. He knew I sensed something was missing. He knew I'd search. He knew I'd blaspheme. He knew I'd hate. He knew I'd choose death and adopt an orphan heart. But, as I heard John Foreman once say, there is a song, and it is uniquely yours, it reverberates in your heart. Once I understood the song of my heart, I realized the truth for the first time. My king stood at the door to my soul, knocking in time with my heart song. He dreamed of me and rescued me. Then he drew up heavenly papers and sealed them with his blood and adopted me, his daughter. From orphan to princess in a heartbeat, I was born into the mystery of his love. The world labeled me a bastard from conception, an accident, a mistake, a parasitical type creature who burdens society, an unworthy cost, another statistic who causes the legitimate citizens of good society to groan, roll their eyes and say, do we really have to put up with this? My mother knew what it was like to feel unwanted and she refused to let them talk her into label labeling me that way. 
People may make mistakes, but it's God who makes babies, she say through a tightly set jaw. There is so, no such thing as an illegitimate child. My mother watched miracles of provision break past all odds from one moment to the next, so she believed in those miracles for my life as well. As she looked for the miracles, waiting on them to come, she always found them. If God wanted to end my life, then he could have taken it him, taken himself in those seven months of my mother's pregnancy, or those 12 years of my childhood, or my seven teenage years. But instead of taking my life, God protected it, over and over. As I moved from situation to situation like a gypsy across the southeast United States, God protected, corrected, and provided. Why? Because he is my heavenly father. Because I wasn't born a bastard. None of us are. Still, so many of us choose an orphan lifestyle like I did for most of my life. I wrestle with being fatherless. Finally, I dismissed the idea of needing a father and embraced an orphan identity. I found a cold peace in deciding I wouldn't expect anyone to help me. I would protect myself, provide for myself, and decide for myself what was right and wrong. But all the boundaries I made were dotted lines, always shifting and changing with the wind. As an orphan, I not only had to be God for myself, but I also felt the need to be God for every other orphan I came across. When I failed myself and others one too many times, I wanted to die. So, I, I think the things I want to highlight from it are um, just the reality that we are. I know it sounds so cheesy and cliche, but we are princesses. Ew. <laughs> I'm such a, I, I don't know. I, I, love, I love pink and I love, I love, I love pretty things. So it, it definitely, it, it, I don't know. It just, I think as a daughter, it's not only just being like being given life, but it's being like God cherishes us. And that's what the reality of being a princess means to me, of being his princess. Um, but it's, I, 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 you know, I'm learning more and more every day of how much I don't live in that reality and that identity. That I don't trust that God's going to protect and provide and direct me. So it just definitely got to my heart. And it's just, I don't know, I think in a world of a lot of where there's not truth and whatnot, it's good to just root ourselves and be realized, like, what, the, what is true. So, um, Hannah, any further thoughts of reflection before I... Yeah, continue on with the next little excerpt. Well, not really. I think you covered it. <laughs> I mean, what, it do, what does it mean to you to be a daughter of God and, and that identity? Mm. See, I don't know. If you want, if you want to be princesses, then I guess I'm a warrior princess. <laughs> well, I'm a warrior princess too, but you're definitely like the badass warrior princess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think that what you said about trusting is very important. It's it's trite, but it has to be repeated. And just knowing that God designed everything in your life to have a purpose. And even if it wasn't in his perfect will, his permissive will will make good out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just remind that you, if you don't feel like you are his temple and you are beautiful, you are. And, um, you know, um, I guess we'll continue on more with, I have a little more, I guess, kind of conclusion at the end of this, but just to, for time's sake, go to continue to just read this little excerpt, um, and then we will close. Um, so this is from the same chapter, and it's, it's entitled, We Are Royal, We Are Royal Superheroes. You and I are made to be royalty. Each one of us shines a unique facet of God's light and love into the world. God gave us unique DNA, fingerprints, voices, and perspectives. We are living colors on God's palette. And this life he's painting is made more beautiful, more distinct, richer, and deeper when we embrace the fullness God intends for us. Not when we try to be someone else or compare and condemn one another or ourselves. In the the refuge of our heavenly identity, we blaze. And eventually that light spills spills into the world, the blazing rainbow of God's intended purpose. And as we honor our uniqueness and the uniqueness of those around us, we will see miraculous glory and encounter the fullness of God's beauty. 
God made us to be spiritual warrior royalty who spiritually war for the truth in a world of lies. God made us superheroes living supernatural lives of love that bring healing. We're to live as citizens of heaven on earth. We're meant to stand up in our purposes. We're meant to fight lies by choosing to believe the truth about who we are, about who God is, and about who others are. This breaks the chains that hold humanity back from our destiny of love, peace, unity, grace, and joy. When I was a passionate, proud, angry, hateful, young atheist, most of the time I was deeply depressed and cynical. Every day I struggle with self-loathing. God was always waiting for me to hear his dream for my life. And this is his dream for your life too. Lacey, insert your name, you are my beloved princess. If only you will be my daughter, then I will be your father. This is what my beloved King of Heaven longed to speak to my orphan heart, but I couldn't understand this. When I was a child, questions hung in the air above my restless heart that I knew nothing of what it meant to have a father. What does father mean? And what does that have to do with me? A father provi provides identity. Without a father to tell me who I was, I let the world tell me. But I was being lied to, and in the silent moments, uncertainty threatened to suffocate me. Once I encountered my Heavenly Father's loving gaze, I felt known beyond what I even knew of myself. And here's the beautiful part of it all. When I began to live in my knownness, the words, intentions, and perceptions of the world didn't matter. And I no longer care what the world might try to call me when I know who I, who I am. And that confidence creates a certain hiddenness, a mystery. When a person can reject the world's perception of them, the world says, wait, well then, who are you? Suddenly they become alluring. I want, and so she takes us on a journey of how she discovers the mystery of her Heavenly Father and how that discovery clothed her in mystery too. And she recounts how she struggled through an affair, one that almost took her life. And so she needed, she, so in the book, Lacey, sorry, this is kind of cutting from the excerpt. Lacey says, she, I need to walk you through my early life as a Christian. It was a time when I questioned my faith in God and had to choose whether I was going to really believe in Him or not. What I discovered changed my life. True love is freedom. True love is risk. True love is faith and trust. True love is beautiful, passionate, pure, and safe. True love is love itself. True love has no rival. So... <laughs> Talk about royalty and super superheroes and whatnot. I, I just I love that this whole segment. I mean, we just have been highlighting the beauty and the gift and, and the strength of what women are, mm -hmm. and so never doubt that. Um, so I don't know if you have any closing thoughts before I leave the closing kind of. I mean, we're gonna yes have the this is the closing and then we'll have the closing of the closing. <laughs> <laughs> closing of our hot take and closing of the episode. Thank you guys for listening. I just want to say before we close, if you are interested in checking out anything that we mentioned during the episode, that will all be in the show notes. So the articles we use for reference, I'll have a link to um, Lacey Sturm's book, The Mystery, in case you want to purchase it for yourself, give it a read. It's really good. Um, but yeah, Mary has our closing inspiration here. Okay. Um... So my mother, growing up, she would always remind us, I don't know, I especially remember like going, you know, clothes shopping is like the worst for a young girl's self-esteem because of the mirrors in the, in the, in the um, dressing rooms. Um, but I always remember she would also like constantly tell me like, you are beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and it's one of those things where when, she, when growing up, she would tell me like, ah, I don't really believe you, like it just would never hit. But she constantly told me it, constantly, constantly. And I remember one time, like, I was actually in a dressing room in the store looking at the mirror, and I said it, and I believed it. So all this stuff, all this truth, all these things that we're saying, you know, um, this is stuff that, you know, we all have a broken identity, and um, so it's stuff that you're going to have to contend with and work through, and even, you know, like, I think every stage in our life brings up new things as well anyways. So I think the biggest thing that I, I've encountered is um, one of my dearest priest friends, um, he has said in confession, just going and sitting in front of the Eucharist and letting Jesus love you and just 
um, shed his love on you and that's when you that's where you find your identity and find who you are and your worth um, so I really want to you know so even if you can't sit in front of the Eucharist prayer is really important um, so I'll just leave with this quote about prayer because um, it really gave life to me when I read it and so I think you know taking everything we've said to prayer um, and even what's going on in the world you know there's a lot of stuff to be honest um, so yeah um, I think this, the quote will speak for itself. So, well, I'm with this. Um, and it's um, from St. Lawrence, Lawrence Justinian and his Insigno Vitae. And it goes, In prayer, the soul is purified from sin, charity is nurtured, faith takes root, hope is strengthened, the spirit gladdened. In prayer, the soul melts into tenderness, the heart is purified, the truth reveals itself, temptation is overcome, sadness is put to flight, in prayer the senses are renewed, lukewarmness vanishes, failing virtue is reinvigorated, the rust of vices is scored away, and in this exchange there comes forth living sparks, blazing desires of heaven in which the flame of divine love burns. So thank you for joining us. Um, hope this brought a little inspiration, a little light, a little, little truth, a little fire in your heart. For your Thursday. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. No, you're all loved. Thanks for listening to Caritas Christi. If you'd like to write to us with hot takes, feedback, advice, or advice requests, we would love to hear from you. Email us at caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. That's caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Thursday.